This is Ozarks at Large. This winter marks the 150th anniversary of the first day of classes at the University of Arkansas. Charlie Allison, the executive editor of University Relations at the U of A, is thinking about some of the students who were on campus that first semester, but some were forgotten about for decades. Although eight students enrolled on the first day of classes in 1872, students continued to arrive on campus throughout the spring semester as they were able to find their way to Fayetteville. Slightly more than 100 students enrolled by the end of the semester. Most of them came from Washington County, of course, and none of them were ready to start collegiate-level courses. During the Civil War, common schools across the state had been closed. The generation of young men and women who came of age during the war missed out on their traditional education. Arkansas established a public school program in 1868, and private schools such as the Ozark Institute and the nearby Mount Comfort community also reopened. But neither public nor private venues could easily make up for the lost years of classwork. As students arrived in Fayetteville, the university's faculty members assessed the educational level of each incoming student and placed all of them in the university's preparatory department, essentially the high school level of learning. Qualifications for admission had been set by the Board of Trustees, and some of those included good moral character, minimum age limits, and a certain level of academic proficiency to be determined by the faculty. Beyond those qualifications, the trustees wrote in their first report, quote, Under resolution of your board, passed in that behalf, we have thrown the institution open to all, without regard to race, sex, or sect. Indeed, two weeks into that first semester, a young black man arrived in early February 1872, hoping to attend the nascent university. To be honest, little is known about that first black student. In fact, the public didn't even know his name until 2005, and that took some digging. A newspaper reporter for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, alumnus Chris Branham, noticed a mention of an early black student at the university in Professor Gordon Morgan's seminal book, The Edge of Campus, a journal of black experience at the University of Arkansas. Branham contacted Morgan, a professor of sociology who had heard stories that two or three black students had attended the university at its beginning, but he had never discovered their names. Branham's inquiry prompted faculty in the Department of History to assign a doctoral student, Jeffrey Jensen, to seek the student's identity. Jensen's first stop? The Special Collections Division of the University Libraries to search through the unprocessed papers of former U of A Chancellor Willard Gatewood, a historian whose research included a focus on African-American history in Arkansas and whose research was voluminous. Jensen got settled in for the long slog. He pulled out the first folder. And then he pulled out the first document of that folder. It was a photocopy of a short news article published by the Little Rock Daily Republican in early 1873. And believe it or not, the last name of a black student at the university was in that story. <laughs> well, that was a whole lot easier than I expected. It said, and, and I quote its language, which used the word colored when referring to the black student, it said, quote, There is one colored student in the normal department at Fayetteville, and he is making excellent progress. The name of the student is McGehee, and he is preparing himself for the ministry of the Episcopal Church. We are glad to learn the fact, better one than none in that case. With that last name in hand, Jensen then checked the 1872-73 catalog of studies and found the first name of the student. His full name was James McGehee. He was listed as one of the beneficiaries who came to the university from the town of Augusta in Woodruff County. Beneficiaries were students chosen from their respective counties across the state to receive free tuition at the university. You can sort of think of them as the students who received full-ride scholarships. Each county was allotted beneficiaries based on its population, with 190 statewide. 
I think it's likely that one of the university's trustees, Matthias Abraham Cohn, a newspaper editor and state representative from Woodruff County, played some part in the appointment of James McGahee as a beneficiary. Although the university allowed McGahee to enroll, the school officials didn't allow him to attend classes with the white students. Instead, the president of the university, Noah Gates, taught McGahee separately in a room of the old McElroy farmhouse. McGahee continued his classwork through at least the spring of 1873, and the newspaper reported on his progress, writing that McGahee had scored 93% in spelling, 87% in reading, 95% in penmanship, 90% in arithmetic, 88% in grammar, 98% in geography, and uh, 78% in history. I did a lot better in geography than in history, too. <laughs> the newspaper editor wrote, quote, The average is an excellent one and reflects great credit on Mr. McGahee. Many years later, Lucy Jane Gates, the wife of the university president, recalled that other black students had also enrolled that first year. She wrote, quote, it was a surprise to all when two or three Negro boys applied for admission as students, to which they were entitled by law. Who were these additional students? What were their names? I have no definitive answer. In 1873, newspapers reported that two more African-American students were named as beneficiaries. One of them was Mark Wallace Alexander. He was a resident of the St. Francis community near Helena and was the son of State Representative James Alexander, who died unexpectedly not long after the legislative session of 1871. The Alexander family was well enough off that all of their children attended college, Oberlin, the University of Michigan, and West Point. Newspapers in 1873 reported that Judge John Bennett, a trustee of the university and a member of the Arkansas Supreme Court, appointed Mark Alexander as a university beneficiary. But his name never showed up in the early catalogs of study. Later that same year, the superintendent of public instruction for Pulaski County, Dickinson Brugman, appointed Isom Washington of Big Rock as a beneficiary to the university for the fall 1873 term. As with Alexander, the name of Isom Washington does not appear in the early university records. But it's possible they could be the two additional students whom Lucy Gates recalled. It's also, of course, possible that the two additional students came from the local Fayetteville community. Students such as Kate and Frank Sutton, a sister and brother who attended Fayetteville's mission school and could easily have applied for admission. Fayetteville's black population in 1870 made up more than 15% of the city's total population. So it's logical that black students already benefiting from public education might seek higher education. Again, though, no record of their names appears in the early university catalogs. And by the 1873-74 catalog of studies, James McGahee's name had also disappeared from the roster of students. I don't know what happened to him, why he left the university, whether he returned to Woodruff County, whether he pursued education elsewhere at a black college, such as Atlanta University in Georgia, or the Lincoln Institute up in Missouri. 1873 was the point at which Reconstruction in Arkansas began to come apart at the seams. Perhaps James McGahee was asked to leave. Perhaps he continued, but his name and the names of other black students were not included in the catalog of studies. Perhaps officials expected him to attend the branch college when it opened in Pine Bluff. I really have no idea. I simply haven't found his name anywhere after his time at the university. So I don't know the legacy of his life. The legacy of the university, though, was that the Fable campus didn't enroll another African-American student for the next 75 years. A shame on both accounts. 
Charlie Allison is the executive editor of University Relations at the University of Arkansas. His Wednesday considerations of the first 150 years of the university, just one part of the observation of the sesquicentennial. You can learn more at 150.uark.edu.